Hello and welcome to Daily Inner Lake News Now. I'm your host, Taylor Inman. Thanks for joining us on this Memorial Day. We're taking a look at some of last week's biggest headlines and what's coming up for the Flathead Valley. In this week's Deep Dive segment, I chat with Daily Inner Lake Features Editor Heidi Desch, who tells us about a story she did just in time for Memorial Day. She spoke with Kalispell native and military historian Doug Sterner about his new book, which chronicles the heroic stories of Montana veterans. But first, here are some headlines. A 28-year-old woman died after falling into Avalanche Creek in Glacier National Park last week, according to park officials. Atir Abdurrahman Alkotani of Kansas fell off a rocky overhang into Avalanche Creek on May 22nd and was swept into the gorge, according to park officials. She was spotted in the creek passing under the bridge of Trail of the Cedars by bystanders who waded into the water to pull her out. Those bystanders immediately began, began CPR and sent people to notify rangers and call 911. Flathead County Dispatch received and diverted the call to Glacier National Park Dispatch. NPS staff, alert, and Three Rivers Ambulance mobilized after learning about the fall. Alquitani was declared dead by alert personnel at the side of the creek. Rangers used a litter to carry her out to the Avalanche Lake Trailhead, where she was transferred to funeral services. According to friends traveling with Alquitani, she had just finished her first year of her master's degree at the University of Kansas and was on a road trip of national parks to celebrate. Friends described her as a risk-taker who loved getting in and being near water. Law enforcement investigators said there were no indications of foul play. Park officials said the incident occurred off-trail and many visitors take the same risk. Water-related incidents are the number one cause of death in Glacier National Park. Visitors are encouraged to take extra precautions when approaching areas with water, especially during spring runoff. Most Flathead County employees will get a 4% raise, while deputy county attorneys will see a total increase of 9% after county commissioners voted last Tuesday to approve the wage bumps. The commissioners unanimously supported the pay hike, approving several resolutions that will increase pay for elected officials, along with union and non-union employees within the county. The cost of living pay increase is effective July 1st. The increase for deputy attorneys includes the cost of living increase along with a market increase of 5%. The larger increase in pay for the county attorney's office was cited as a means of recruiting and retaining attorneys. In addition to the elected county attorney position, the department includes 12 attorneys and, until recently when one spot was filled, had three vacancies. Commissioner Pam Holmquist said the county attorney's office has faced employee retention issues. I know a lot of thought and effort was put into this, and I know that we, um, the county attorney is having some retention issues similar to what the sheriff and the 911 is having and we just it's just the way it is right now and things are are just more expensive and and wages are going up and the county in order to keep good employees is going to have to keep up with that somehow. Commissioners also approved an expansion of the office by adding two new deputy county attorney positions. Commissioner Brad Abel said the new positions are critical pointing out that a new judge joined Flathead County District Court at the beginning of the year. The sheriff's salary will be $110,699. The two justices of the peace will increase to $97,381. The county commissioners, clerk of district court, county treasurer and county clerk, and superintendent of schools all increased to $84,514. An 8% increase was approved for the county attorney, bringing the salary for that position to $136,393. Local industry experts say tourism levels in Flathead County are expected to remain roughly the same as last year, with high costs and changing traveler attitudes putting the brakes on the rapid growth seen during the pandemic. 
Executive Director of Explore Whitefish Julie Mullen said people were looking to get outside and believes the pandemic created a bubble around national parks. Mullins points to lower year-over-year bookings at local hotels and short-term rental properties as indications that the visitation boom has slowed. Whitefish hotel bookings are down between 10 and 15 percent from last year at this time, and units listed on platforms such as Airbnb and Verbo are down about 20 percent. Northwest Montana saw tremendous growth in air traffic and visitation to Glacier National Park during the pandemic, but with larger cities and international destinations opening again, tourism industry officials say some travelers are no longer as attracted to the Flathead Valley's wide-open spaces. Glacier Park International Airport is expecting similar passenger numbers as were seen in 2022, when around 420,000 travelers came through their terminals. The airport was busier than ever, but summer's numbers were down from their pandemic-era peaks, with June 2022 marking the beginning of a five straight months of fewer passengers than the prior year. Hotel owner Bryce Baker, who chairs the Kalispell Business Improvement District, expects that nonstop flights from the East Coast will soon become a fixture at the airport, based on the numbers of visitors he's seeing from that part of the country. Baker cited statistics at a recent Kalispell Chamber of Commerce luncheon that show that the airport accounts for 16% of air traffic in the state of Montana, tied with Missoula and second only to Bozeman. Diane Medler, head of Visitors Bureau Discover Kalispell, says that tourists can be frustrated by the lack of transportation options in the county adding that those who can't or don't want to rent a car expect ride-sharing or public transit options. Transportation was the topic of a tourism panel discussion hosted by the Kalispell Chamber. Speakers said that in the absence of a regularly scheduled and routine county bus, systems like those in the National Park and operated in Whitefish are playing an important role for tourists and locals alike. Read those full stories at dailyinterlake.com. Now on to our deep dive segment. Heidi Desch is the Interlake's features editor. She coordinates coverage of local art, music, culture, and community, and more, as well as reporting on it herself. She's going to tell us about a story she did for Memorial Day about a Kalispell native's drive to highlight the sacrifices of those who have served the country. Hi, Heidi. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Taylor. Thanks for having me. So we're chatting about a story that Heidi did just in time for Memorial Day. Uh, She spoke with Vietnam vet and Kalispell native Doug Sterner, who is a military historian and has written several books about veterans. You spoke with him about his new book recently that focuses on the heroic actions of Montana veterans. Um, Him and his wife have a really interesting history of advocating for veterans. Could you tell us a little bit more about uh, his background? Yeah, so it kind of, a lot of his work started in 1998 um, when he launched a website Um, And his goal was to document Medal of Honor recipients because there really wasn't any documentation of who had gotten that award. Um, And then later on, he expanded his research and started documenting other um, recipients of other distinguished awards. Um, And then 10 years after that began, he partnered with the Military Times. And that was when um, his work was integrated into the Hall of Valor. And at this point, it's considered the largest and most complete unofficial database of U.S. military award recipients. And he still um, works on that somewhat, but it's mostly been taken over by other people who manage it. Um, and then he's, he's moved on to other projects. Um, his wife, Pam, wrote, beca- wrote a paper that eventually became the basis for the Stolen Valor Act. Um, and they both, he and his wife, advocated um, for that act in Congress to get it passed. And so what it does is it makes it a federal crime to fraudulently claim to be a recipient of certain military decorations or medals. So that's a really um, important part of the work that they've done um, is protecting those medals and people who would purport to represent themselves as have earned them but didn't. 
Um, so really, it's become his kind of his life's work to document um, service award recipients, and then through his books is also sharing their stories um, of their heroic moments. So what was a little bit of his research process for this? Um, so his research process is kind of fine-tuned at this point. Um, he has written over 100 books at this point. So he really starts with his own database um, when he's writing a book and kind of creates a list of recipients of the awards. And then he goes from there. And so his research just kind of expands out. Um, for the books, he tries to um, highlight a wide range of veterans. So he's looking at different branches of military service. Um, and then when he writes this book about particular states, he also tries to make sure that many geographic areas are covered as possible. So it's not always writing about um, the larger larger population centers. Um, like in Montana, that would say be Billings or Missoula or something. And so he wants to really make sure he finds veterans that are in smaller towns that are um, get highlighted. Um, and then he also places, um, and he mentioned this in particular, an emphasis on featuring women veterans because he said that they're often forgotten, especially when we talk about heroic moments. And so it's really important for him um, to focus on that. And in fact, the cover of his Montana book features a Montana woman veteran. So um, it's really, he really just tries to make sure he gets a wide variety of stories in the books. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the most previous book he did to this, or he did another book about Colorado. He's mm -hmm. in Colorado right now, um, but he's from Kalispell. Um, so what are the challenges, some of the challenges he faced when trying to get to the bottom of these stories? Um, he's really familiar with a lot of the resources for, um, for finding details about veterans. So that's not much of a challenge for him. But then he still has to get creative. Um, so sometimes it's tracking down family members um, of a veteran, um, you know, grandchildren, children, um, and kind of just, you know, finding them out and asking them what they know about the stories of the veteran and often asking them for photos, which is proven to be that they often have photos. Um, and then sometimes it's even like he recently told me he called um, a school librarian to see if they had photos of a veteran and they did. Um, so they were able to pull photos from a yearbook and get to send it. So he relies on a lot of creativity and then also kindness of others who are willing to help him share the stories and basically document history. Yeah. So yeah. Neat. Um, and there are a lot of really interesting um, vignettes that he shared with you that's in your piece. But I was wondering mm -hmm. if you, there is just one in particular that you could share with us. Yeah. So um, one of them was about a veteran from Whitefish. Um, and the story was about, so his name is um, Manfred Lloyd Kliev, and he was an Army Chief Warrant Officer. And so um, as a pilot, he earned a silver, silver star for an incident in which his aircraft was hit by enemy ground fire. Um, the fire forced him to land, um, and everyone on the crew was safe um, after landing. But then um, amid a, f like, hail of fire, um, he had to send out two distress calls for help, um, on his second attempt to do so, um, he was killed by an enemy sniper. And so um, he had had a dream of returning to Whitefish after the Vietnam War to retire after 20 years of military service. But um, unfortunately, he returned and was buried in the Whitefish Cemetery. So, Yeah, and from what I got from your piece, a big focus of this book and Doug's work is um, – 
finding those stories and uncovering those stories and places and people in the community who might not have, um, if they're around to tell them, spoken up about them. So Mm -hmm. uh, next I'm going to play a little soundbite from Doug talking about that. A number of communities do not even know some of the great heroes that came out of their hometown. You may walk through a cemetery and see a headstone and not realize, you know, that man, that woman served and did something heroic. And so my first hope is restoring history to individuals and to communities. My second hope is to inspire others by the positive things that these people have done and encourage Mm -hmm. them to uh, emulate that. So I, I think this ties nicely into some company-wide training we just did. We received training about how to talk to veterans. Um, this was all of our area newspapers and all of the newspapers that Hagedo Media um, owns in um, Washington, Montana, and Idaho. Um, so it is there's sensitivity to it. Um, I was curious, um, when you go to talk to a veteran, uh, what are some of the things that you keep in mind? Um, I think... One of the way, one of the things to keep in mind is that in some ways veterans are not um, dissimilar to the other people that we write about, at least when someone who has a sensitive story. Um, so the important thing to start with is kind of compassion and patience. Um, sometimes it can be difficult for someone to share, so giving them the time to get comfortable with you um, and speaking with them, and so they just feel okay sharing their story. Um, it's really about letting the person you are interviewing just kind of provide the details they're comfortable with providing. And especially when it comes to veterans, um, even say, you know, someone who is a more served more recently, some of the details of their service, they may not be able to provide because it's classified. So you have to know that when they tell you they can't talk about it, that, you know, that's okay. Or if they just don't want to talk about it, that that's okay. Um, And then the other thing, as a reporter, you have to think about the technical details of what you're writing. So you have to verify what their rank is, what branch of military they served in, and um, just be really clear about that. And then the other thing, and I think this is important for the public to remember too, is that not all veterans um, saw combat action. And so you really can't make that assumption um, when you're talking to them. And so I just, I think when you talk to veterans or, you know, people in general, if you're, they're willing to talk about their story, if you kind of ask them in que- questions that are respectful, and then you just really take the time to listen. Yeah, for sure. Um, when we received that training, I had a lot of the similar, a lot of similar thoughts. Um, you know, it's just how much someone feels comfortable telling you and you don't need to come out the gate with some really intense questions mm-hmm. that might that might trigger somebody or bring up memories mm-hmm. that they don't feel comfortable uh, comfortable talking about yet. Um, so, yeah, and we have a lot of veterans here in Montana, so we cover a lot of veteran stories, so mm-hmm. important stuff to keep in mind. Um, so Heidi's story ran in the Sunday paper yesterday, and you can read the full version on our website. Uh, thanks, Heidi, for stopping by. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. Beyond Belief, True Stories of Montana Heroes that Defy Comprehension is set to be released on July 1st in hardback, paperback, and Kindle on Amazon or from the author's website at www.herobooks.org. The deadline for nominations for Best of Flathead is quickly approaching. You can submit your picks May 12th through June 5th. Nominations are also open for the Flathead's 20 Under 40. Do you know someone under 40 who's doing amazing things in Flathead County? Nominate them today to be considered in an annual celebration of young professionals. Find out more info and place your nominations by May 30th at discoverkalispell.com. 
Let's take a look at what events are coming up this week in the Valley. Just a reminder that you can find dance classes, painting workshops, live music, and anything community related by going to our events calendar at dailyinterlake.com events. On Saturday, Big Sky City Lights is performing at the Walkholt College Center. With a fresh and modern sound infused with classic elements of folk, country, and pop, Big Sky City Lights is heading home to the Flathead Valley, the birthplace of their partnership, for this very special evening of song and story. After a year of touring at the City Lights of Nashville, New York, and the Pacific Northwest, the duo is very excited to be back in Big Sky Country with their full band in concert. Their special brand of stripped-down contemporary folk pop landed Big Sky City Lights a feature on Good Morning America and coveted spots at major music festivals, including Sisters Folk Festival and the Under the Big Sky Festival. Be prepared for an evening of lush harmonies, moving melodies, toe-tapping originals, and maybe even some special guests. The show begins at 8 p.m. Also this Saturday, catch Whitefish Theater Company's production of Sweet Surrender. It's 1942, and two of Hollywood's biggest divas have descended upon the luxurious Palm Beach Royale Hotel to perform at a USO benefit. Complication number one, the two ladies have a legendary ongoing feud that turns violent if they come near each other. Complication number two, the performers both end up booking the same presidential suite. This play of mistaken identities, overblown egos, double entendres, and a lapdog named Mr. Boodles is a hilarious laugh-out-loud romp. A true love note to the classic farces of the 30s and 40s. The show begins at 7.30 p.m. Find a link to purchase tickets under the show's event page at dailyinterlake.com events. Thanks for joining us. News Now is a new podcast from the Daily Interlake. We're proud to be the largest news-gathering operation in the region and the oldest paper in the Valley. Consider becoming a subscriber to support our work. Call Circulation at 406-755-7018 or go to the Manage Subscription tab on the top right corner of our website. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel to never miss an episode of the pod. From our team here at the Daily Interlake on Memorial Day, a thank you to all the brave men and women who have served this country. Everybody stay safe and have a great week.